I really like Spider-Man a lot, which is why I'm pretty honored to do this. Um, it's a good time. It's a real good time for everyone involved. It's yeah, like man. having a dog, only better. But <laughs> nothing's better than having a dog, so that was a lie. You know what I really wanted to start this off with? An animated series guitar solo. <laughs> yeah, and there's that creepy robot voice going, Spider Water, Spider Water, Radioactive Spider Water yeah. in the back. <laughs> Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. That, that, that. <laughs> it's so it's like, like the vocorder shit. They put like every audio effect they could on that thing. I mean, if you go back to the original um, cartoon theme song, it was like that Ramones, like Spider-Man, Spider-Man oh, yeah. does whatever a spider can, mm-hmm. spins a web and he's this song sucks don't know why look out but yeah here he comes um <laughs> here comes spider-man <laughs> here he comes. watch out welcome to episode five of screen looking a podcast where close friends take a closer look at their favorite video games i'm your host andrew kuhar thanks for joining us In 1962, Spider-Man was created by Stan Lee and Steve Ditko. Peter Parker's alter ego exhibited all the hallmarks of a classic superhero, a great name, an iconic mask, unique superpowers, and an exciting rogues gallery to pit them against. But he was also late on rent, barely hanging on to his job and dealing with the complicated life at home. On a good day, Spider-Man became an escape to all of the above. On a bad day, he put it all at risk. Unlike most superheroes, Peter Parker just can't afford to lose. Spider-Man is rare amongst his super-powered peers because he's relatable. It's kind of easy to imagine yourself in his shoes swinging through New York City. His success within the pages of Marvel Comics inevitably jumped onto the screen, both big and small, though it's often been with mixed results. Over the years, the sensation of living in a world where a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man actually exists has proven quite difficult to deliver. In the hands of Insomniac Games, Marvel's Spider-Man on the PlayStation 4 has finally delivered on that promise. In today's episode, we'll be talking all about Insomniac's runaway hit game, and the focus it places on its hero as much as the neighborhood and community he's trying to save. If you'd like to avoid spoilers, we'd recommend ducking out around the 30 minute mark because that's when we get into everything pretty full on, Uh, but this is a long one, so we hope you stick with us for the haul, and we hope you enjoy it. I'm very excited to invite my newest guest to the show, because joining me to talk about Spider-Man are two of the four people who would ever go see Venom with me, and that is my brother, Nicholas Kuhar, and our longtime friend, Ryan Ward. I would just like to take this moment to prove to folks that I do indeed have friends, as discussed moments ago on this podcast. And I just like hearing out loud that I am going to see Venom sends a shudder down my spine. As it should all people. So not only have all of us completed this game very recently, all three of us have been lifelong fans of Spider-Man. Beyond that, how about you guys introduce yourselves? Uh, What are some of your favorite video games and maybe some of your favorite Spider-Man stories along the way? Ryan, do you want to start us off? Yeah, so my name's Ryan. Uh, I've known the amazing Kuhar brothers for quite some time. Uh, I grew up being the kind of bastion of super comic nerd mythology. And uh, I've brought a lot of my friends into the medium 
since I've been out here in San Francisco. And I tend to, uh, I don't play a lot of video games, but I tend to play like one or two really to the rails every year. And uh, I don't think that anything will get more zany or time consuming for me than Metal Gear. I think that's just high art in the form of video games. And I'm a huge Resident Evil fan and basically any like first or third person over the shoulder kind of game from early PlayStation days was, was a favorite of mine. I also uh, have read what some might either call a pathetic or impressive amount of Spider-Man comic books. So uh, allow, allow the listeners to decide that. But one of the things I thought was really cool was from what I've read of the Dan Slott's modern run, uh, this pulled in a lot of those themes and some of the characters he created. And uh, yeah, I'm kind of excited to, to talk about the writing behind this game because I'm familiar with Dan Slott and then Christus Gage, who I believe also wrote this. So. Mm-hmm. That's me in a nutshell. I can also play uh, really, really crappy superhero theme songs on guitar. Um, so if you guys want to hear an acoustic rendition of that Spider-Man theme song by uh, the Ramones, I can do that too. Yeah, I do want to hear that. I think that's necessary. <laughs> uh, all right, cool. Thanks, Ryan. Uh, Nick? Yeah, I'm Nick. I'm Andy's brother. And um, I've just gotten into podcasting myself, so it was pretty jazzed to be doing this as a guest. And this kind of combines some of my greatest loves, which are uh, Spider-Man and talking with friends. My thing, I'm coming at this from the angle of I used to be a hardcore gamer, like the type of guy who was playing like Final Fantasy VII until your parents just scream at you to stop. Or, um, you know, GoldenEye 007, like all the classics from like late 90s, early 2000s. But now I'm kind of at that place where I really, I have a three-month-old and a wife and a pretty intense new job and so i only play video game like it's it's rare that i'll really dig into a game and other than breath of the wild and this and and injustice 2 to some extent like i really don't play video games so this is an opportunity i mean but this one really held my attention so i'm super excited to talk about it and part of it too is um um, I, I recently got back into Spider-Man in the comics uh, through the Ultimate series, and Ryan got me onto those. I was out um, at Isotope Comics in San Francisco, and um, just I, I bought a bunch of comics, but I, I found myself getting really sucked into the first one, two, three volumes of the Ultimate comic, uh, especially how they reappropriate the Venom symbiote into that story. It was just really fresh and amazing. Uh, and I thought, actually, this video game did some of the coolest narrative things with the character i've seen in a long time um because i'm also like kind of a sucker for some of the some of the iconic but terrible spider-man stories like the clone saga with scarlet Mm. spider um maximum (laughs) carnage maximum carnage which the game as a kid i we just loved like all of us brothers cousins (laughs) like we and we never beat it ever no one was ever yeah no the battle toads of superheroes it was just it was it's just it was like it remains to this day our like white stag of a video game like we cannot conquer it and um yeah just picking up dumpsters with venom and just yeah. tossing them at criminals yeah, just and then... t- tossing like <laughs> dumpsters that are literally on fire at 2d and then you just get one shot by carnage and yeah. you're three hours in just, i guess i have to start all over yeah because there's no save but like even that like you know i recently tried to reread maximum carnage like one of 14 and mm. i could barely finished the like 20 page comic it was so bad i was like oh my god 
Um, but I'm still a sucker yeah, for yeah. that and some of the Clone Saga stuff, um, just because I grew up on it. Um, and as brothers, I think we got into art probably first by just like sketching and tracing oh, yeah. Spider-Man. Like that was a huge part of our development in the arts early on. And now we do like I do film and Andy and I both do music. Um, but I think I really first got into arts just by like holding up old iconic like sensational spider-man number zero covers to like a window in my house and tracing that like again and again and again i remember yeah. I, I remember trying to do like freehand versions mm-hmm. of comic panels mm-hmm. um or like like looking at them and trying to recreate them uh without tracing but like yeah dude i remember spending hours just sitting at the desk in like my parents house like oh yeah we'll just open up to uh this you know mark bagley drawn spider-man panel in the clone saga and that seems really cool so we'll just take like a couple hours and make that yeah mm-hmm. like that yeah those are super fun memories i'm glad you guys did the same thing yeah yeah i think spider-man is just such a i mean he's such a graphical character i mean it's fun just to draw the spider and try to get all the little web spindles mm-hmm. just the right way mm-hmm. um the eyes like he's just a super super fun character to draw mm-hmm. there there's some really good um like twitch streams of people that draw like just famous comic book artists and they'll just sit oh. there and like sketch stuff out and they'll be like oh yeah and this is how i do like the shading on batman oh, no or how i do this and that and then todd mcfarlane's got some because he was like one of the most kind of iconic artists on spider-man that reinvigorated uh the the character with a nineties art style. Um, and he kind of create kind of did the whole venom creation thing to an extent, but, uh, he like talks about how he noodled the webbing, you know, made it look like a bunch of like spaghetti winding on mm-hmm. in on each oh. other. And then how he makes like the eyes really big and how you plot like the acrobatics of Spider-Man. So I watched some of that the other day and I was just like, this dude's super like just, intelligent about how he approached it oh yeah well i mean i'm glad you guys are talking about a lot of the um i don't know just some of the like the fantasy of getting into like the character of spider-man through all the artwork and trying to draw it yourselves because uh as we were going through the game we discovered that there was an art book for it aptly called marvel's spider-man the Mm -hmm. art of the game uh it's like 200 pages long it's it's actually really really well laid out um it just has a ton of like little exclusive looks at the art, the concept art, character models, environment studies. And for me, what got me into want to getting a degree at art school in the first place was concept art for video games because it combines a lot of traditional art skills with this new modern form of media. And it was really cool to get this to have this book available right as the game came out to uh, to reference. I thought it really illuminated my understanding of how much work went into this game. I know, Nick, you seem to notice a lot about how much of a team effort this game was and how the developers were expressing how much of a team effort it was. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there's probably a good chance we're going to reference it throughout the episode. But the game is pretty much taking all these little childhood fantasies and allowing you to be what actually you imagine being like Spider-Man would be for the first time. A lot of games have attempted to do it and fallen very short. Uh, a lot of the movies get there not all of them do um but actually getting to play in that space for a really long period of time it's almost like playing through a whole season of the animated series or something like that Uh, before we get into like some like deep details about the game what are your guys general takeaways and reactions to the game i guess both the first time you played it and then having 100 percent completed it both of you 
Uh, how do you feel about it afterwards? Uh, I sat down and I I played this game and I was like, dude, the, the I think the most stunning thing for me visually was the lighting, like just oh, yeah. the way you swing around, like you swing around, but it could all be very droll, right? And I think the fact that like the light reflects off the buildings, the light like strikes your character and like it turns with you as like you go like. It's little things like that where, like, yeah, they, you were never going to get anything like that out of the Maximum Carnage video game. <laughs> I don't <laughs> like, know, I mean, man. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you want to kind of go down uh, a rabbit hole of about 45 minutes of suffering, um, just do like watch a supercut on YouTube of all the Spider Man video game boss battles <laughs> prior oh, no. to the Sony video game. And it's like, painfully bad like you're basically just running around waiting for like electro to slip on a banana peel so you can throw a rock <laughs> at him like that's basically most of it um oh man and so really they were that bad so, like yeah they were real bad like and it's interesting because most of the video game end bosses are um venom carnage dr octopus mostly those three or green goblin like yeah. with with a, an exception here or there, but like out of like maybe seven or eight games, they're just kind of like, ah, eh, people only really want to see the symbiotes and like maybe Dr. Octopus. And mm-hmm. so I thought that was interesting. Yeah. So my original uh, perception of the game though, was like the web swinging was just so beautiful. I don't think anyone would ever, ever deny that, but just like what made it great for me, I think was like, you really felt like he was swinging at, you know, like dawn or dusk or whatever. And like, it did, like the whole environment lent itself to to the the majesty of swinging through it you know oh yeah the way that like especially in the dawn scenes where they have like the super golden sunlight and just the way you basically would get spider-man silhouette swinging through this like blinding sunlight bouncing off the asphalt and bouncing off all the cars and you have all these super hyper realistic reflections going off the cars and off the buildings and it just it there's some moments where it just feels like you're literally playing in like a CG of one of the movies. It just yeah. looks like crazy photorealistic. But um, the way they even got all of Spider-Man's little poses, like the classic ways he grasps onto this the web to get more momentum or to get more like upper body strength into his swings, it just felt like hyper physical, and it felt like all the webs were actually hitting actual buildings and actual objects. Yeah, and they won't actually let you web swing unless there's a building that you're like near enough to and kind of facing towards to latch onto. Yeah. So if you try to do it, like if you try to launch over the park and then web swing, it just won't let you because it's like, nope, there's no buildings when you're like 60 feet above the trees. Mm-hmm. I felt they could have cheated that too when they chose not to. And that, I mean, the whole game is such a fantasy experience, but then little things like that, that ground you and like, Oh, this thing does have limits. And there's like, there's kind of rules to it. Like I appreciate that a lot. Mm-hmm. So you got to a hundred percent a while ago, Ryan, like how do you feel having been there for a little while? Uh, I feel like I should probably get some kind of trophy. Um, <laughs> maybe, maybe some kind of plaque, uh, a credential perhaps for me to put on a business card. <laughs> Ryan Ward, director, beater of Spider-Man at 100% <laughs> platinum trophy. No, I don't know. It it feels uh it feels a little sad actually to be done mm. with the game and like 
it lets you still play but i'm like what's the point Mm -hmm. (laughs) you did all the like the cool narrative stuff but i also tried to max it out before i did like the final bosses and everything right yeah so i got to like a I don't know, 100% on most of those benchmarks. Like I would say maybe like 85% of all the benchmarks. And so when I was done, because I, I had no idea if it would let you go back mm-hmm. uh, or if you just have to start a new game or whatever. But um, yeah, I I think like, I think the narrative was really, was really successful in stringing you along through that game. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to answer that. Hmm. It, it feels a little hollow now that now that I had like 100%. I'm like, okay, I did everything. Actually, just the other day, I was getting close to 100%, and I felt I was like trying to slow myself down so I didn't get to it because I was like, oh, what am I going to do after that? And I didn't really want to put the game down yet. And one of the things I was doing was playing with the camera more and web swinging, and I constantly was stopping my wife who's like also a a pretty big marvel fan in general and and especially a spider-man fan and she'd be doing something or like emailing work or you know we're tending to stuff around the house or whatever and i'd be like we just need to stop and like look at how good this game looks like the web swinging is like it like you said the light painting of the whole game is just like outrageous and I, i i did like a worm's eye view camera angle at one point so like oh so you got into the photo mode then yeah so like you i like went way underneath spider-man when he was web swinging you can see like like the sun rising over him and then you see like planes in the sky too and it was just like shit the level of detail and like immersiveness insomniac did not need to program like planes flying in the skyline like into the game and it just made it makes it like so much more real um so yeah the the traversal element of the game so there's this feature in the game, anyone who's played for even two hours would probably know, it's the uh, quick travel. So you can get to different parts of Manhattan quickly, you like go to a police station icon and hit X and you take like the subway, whatever, across the city. And they're like actually really funny little cutscenes because like Spider-Man will be like on his phone, like scrolling through his phone on the subway just next to ordinary citizens. And I never take that. Like, even if the the location is super far away, I always web swing there and, like, do tricks. And, like, I'll go try to find Avengers Tower or some other landmarks and, like, do the the triangle circle, like, tricks off the tower. Mm -hmm. So, like, that's been a consistently, like, stunning part of the game. I do have to say, like, it wasn't even getting to 100%. It was, like, once you're past kind of 80%, the stuff that's left to do you're so good at the game by that point and have so many powers and so many gadgets that the fights become, you're just a God. You're just like <laughs> toying with these like insects. Like it's so like, it's you. It's, it's yeah, that's so, what makes it fun. Nick. <laughs> it's so pitiful. It's so pitiful. Like I just started, you know, like that, that Raptors game when LeBron just was just doing trick shots, just to <laughs> with the Raptors. And he's like, Oh, I'm going to like, I'm gonna bury this. Humiliated the Toronto Raptors. Yeah, like when it went. I think it was the LeBronto game. He was just like, I'm just gonna like do (laughs) this like 35 foot trick Harlem Globetrotters shot over like your two star players just to with you. Like that's what the end of the game felt like for me. Where it's just like, okay, I'm gonna take out like Spider Bro, and I've got on like this suit and all these gadgets, um, and I'm gonna just like I just started doing trip the trip mine webbing. Oh. And like you just like you shoot the trip mine instead of shooting it at walls, I was shooting it at guys, and they were trip mining into each other. So yeah, I did that too. It almost became like comical. At yeah, the end. there's like a like a element of slapstick humor to the game yeah. on top of the 
sarcasm yeah. that Peter Parker constantly gives off. Yeah, and like this, the Sable encounters were like a little bit trickier because you have the guys in flight, you have multiple guys in flight, and they they're more aggressive and like really like staying airborne and moving around um, was is a little bit trickier with those instances. But like, but for me, like the narrative was so engrossing, I I like needed to see how the story ended, and I was only at I think like sixty five percent then, so I had still a lot of fights to go after that to get to the the underoo suit or whatever the the naked suit Mm -hmm. and like they the the fights did become a lot of the same and so i wish like for the next installment or for the dlcs they found some way to like just mix it up a little bit i kind of like the fact that the game really just sort of lets you choose how complete you wanted to get it i felt like by the the way they sort of set up all the different resources and upgrades and mods and costumes it kind of felt like I was just naturally doing little petty crimes, stopping uh, different sort of gang wars from happening. Uh, there'd be a car chase, and I'd stop that. There'd be something going on on a rooftop with snipers. I'd stop them, and I kind of got a little bit of a taste of a ton of quests. And then I'd get hooked on that, and I'd do a few of them, and then I'd get sick of it and move on. And I found that the game was pretty good at giving you a nice amount of currency or tokens to kind of get the stuff that you wanted. Like, I felt like I was able to get the spider-man suits that i wanted and that i was able to get the mods that i thought sounded cool and then use those throughout the game versus oh i gotta like grind and unlock everything in order Mm -hmm. to have all the choices i felt like they were pretty good at communicating what choices you had up front and then locking things for later in the game where it would have made you too overpowered um so i thought it was really nice i felt like i got around that 70 80 percent mark where i felt like okay i'm gonna go finish the game now i feel like i have the spider-man that i want and then I'll go back later and try the rest. I think my play style was different too. Like I didn't really use a lot of gadgets. Some of the ones that were tied to like the uh, the benchmarkings I did, like the the web mine or the trip mine things. But like I I don't think I used Spider Bro mm. more than twice. Here's the thing: when I was thinking about all that, I'm like, dude, if I was 12, this game would be an entire universe that blew my mind. Right? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. And like, was I probably I don't know. Like, I feel like I beat Final Fantasy Tactics when I was like, a, you know, like, I don't know, like 13 or something. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, well, y- y- like the aptitude of kids to beat video games is pretty intense. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I feel like yeah. there was some level of like, it wouldn't be like, you know, you're going to grind in an RPG like that. Yeah. But this one, I felt like I just tried to put myself in like the shoes of like a 12 year old, like comic book fan. And I think the game uh kind of like you you said andy like it lets you choose your own pace of how much you want to beat it before moving on and i did find myself doing the same thing where i'm like oh i'm gonna go do a bunch of like thug fights and kind of banal repetitive stuff so i can grind and get some cool stuff and then when that like loses its luster i'm gonna do like a couple more story pieces and then like once that introduces Mm -hmm. some new elements then i'll grind a little more Mm -hmm. I, i thought the balance on it was good but repetitive mm-hmm. but also pretty pretty successful for like an open world style game yeah yeah i think from what i've read of a lot of other reactions to the game a lot of people seem to see it in a very favorable light but in sort of the now kind of retired form of open world games it seems like open world games are evolving pretty rapidly right now mm-hmm. and it seems like spider-man is 
Spider-Man seems to reference a lot of design choices that open world games have come to refine over the years and have kind of settled in. And a lot of people seem to think of it as like, it's like the king of old school open world games where you do a lot of those repeatable missions. Not every single mission is story-based. Not every single mission has a little narrative beat woven into it. Sometimes they're just activities and errands that you, you do. But the way that the game lets you complete the errands, the quickness with which it lets you get in and out of danger and get to the next potential threat is uh actually it's not it doesn't feel like a chore it just feels like fun i feel like i got distracted a lot in the game just i'm just gonna go do spider-man stuff all the time spider-man would stop and say you know uh i have have a few minutes i'm gonna go do some freelancing quote unquote that excited me because it told me that i don't have any pressure to continue the story i can just go and have fun in new york for a little while i was constantly distracted by the backpacks because they contributed to the story in like cool yeah. ways where it was like oh i found a vial of sandman sand and like here's the first <laughs> here's the first gloves i ever wore over my costume to mod my costume when i fought electro because they were like rubber gloves or whatever and like but there <laughs> was like, the underwear i shit oh, in the oh, first wait, time i ran wait, into like, venom yeah <laughs> with with the sandman one <laughs> I think it's so funny that you mentioned that because that was like the darkest one for me where he basically just goes, oh, yeah, like, I wonder if his soul is still in there. And I'm like, fuck, dude. Yeah, yeah it's like, oh, yeah, I wonder if I No one's this ever heard like... of Sandman, but I got this vial, so I wouldn't have been, like, just imprisoning him in, like, a test tube for, like, years and yeah. lost it in a backpack and I forgot about him. Like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, there's a lot of... But, like, uh, there's the yeah. card signed by Eddie Brock and, like, they're not super in your face there. And then there's like the dumpling recipe for like the time, yeah. like I made Mary Jane dumplings, but then that's actually in the story where like he cooks her curry. And like, so you, that's like part of their relationship where like, there's, you know, we're getting, we're getting like a little bit more high minded here, but like, um, you know, even in the game you're seeing like character development based on action and visuals or like, Oh, Spider-Man's breaking down some like pretty stereotypical gender roles where like he's doing the cooking. But then, it's not super on the nose like and it's it's such a subtle cool way of like oh yeah here's this backpack of this recipe i used to make for mj and it's like it's a cool way to build the character um i i actually i think i put off tons of fighting to like get those backpacks because i just wanted Mm -hmm. to see what else was around and um yeah it was the first challenge that I completed was getting all those backpacks because yeah. you're just kind of like, oh man, I wonder where all this cool stuff is. Well, what did you get from the? Oh, it was the homecoming homemade no, suit. No, no, it was yeah, it was a, it was the homemade. I suit, think I wanted right? that with too. the goggles. I'm, yeah, I'm a pretty big homecoming fan, and so yeah. like I wanted that suit, so that drove it too. I didn't know that that was the reward for that. I think it was like grayed out, but you could tell exactly what it was. Oh, and then oh I yeah, got from that, the silhouette. I'm like, oh, I hate this suit. It's oh. like a garbage suit. <laughs> The backpacks are really cool. Go ahead. Sorry, Ryan. Cut you off. I was going to say, quick aside, I took a picture of uh, this dog the other day that had this like metal muzzle that looked like like Bane's mouthpiece. And I sent it to my friend Leah, who has a little dog, Apollo. And I was like, when the treats have been consumed and the dog park is in ashes, then you have my permission to die. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Uh-huh. Yeah, from Bane to Venom. Well, you know, actually, speaking of villains... um, Ah, the Bane uses Venom. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. God. How how do you guys feel about 
both the this particular iter- you know there's been a lot of villains that have been included in the sinister stick six just like there's been a lot of heroes that have cycled in and out of the avengers how do you guys feel about who they included in mm. the sinister six and how they actually leveraged those characters unique traits into the fighting um to kind of glue it to what you were saying about the backpacks i think it's cool that they chose specific ones that felt right for the kind of combat system this game had that you could take on but i also like that they made so many homages to the ones you couldn't fight in the story through the backpacks and it kind of filled in the eight-year gap and you know this isn't an origin story it's like spider-man has been around the block for eight years so he's taken on some pretty serious villains already and it's kind of nice to see the remnants of those and then kind of know that these are probably the upper tier of villains you had to fight so i think that kind of fills in some um i don't know like threat level gaps like how how concerned should you be about fighting these these characters um overall i felt like they were all pretty balanced and i was pretty happy actually when they combined two at a time at at one point i thought thematically and just the consistency of the kind of fighting you had to do and the sort of combat techniques you had to do felt like they worked well together like i wasn't doing aerial and ground at the same time i think that would have been a lot to take on at once and I think they worked with the constraints of the camera controls um, and just the point you are at in that game and how much you can take on at one point. You know, you're used to taking on eight people, but then you have to take two super strong villains on at once. I mean, my overall, you know, two second impression is just that it felt really balanced. I didn't find them increasingly hard, but I thought they felt, I guess, um, tonally appropriate at the moments they came in. Mm. Ryan, how do you feel about the, the villains they ended up going with? I thought I thought it was a good Sinister Six, like mm. the Mister Negative plotline uh, and turning him into a part of it. I thought that was awesome. Uh, he was one of the more interesting villains from Dan Slott's run when mm. they kind of brought Spider-Man back in this whole controversial storyline called Brand New Day. Basically, he basically makes a deal with Mephisto to and gives up his marriage to save Aunt May's life. And like, mm. everyone was just like, uh, this isn't really like a good story, <laughs> but then they're like, Hey, but we got like young single Peter Parker back. And we're just, it was almost like doing a reboot without doing a reboot. Mm-hmm. And so they did all these like cool new mythos. Um, and like got to explore a lot of those relationships from scratch. But yeah, I, I think Mr. Negative was a great villain. I think you had like a good mix of classics in there, like Electro and Rhino um, and Scorpion, I think were, were original members, but I could be wrong. I think like Nick said, there's a lot of iterations of these like character, like, like teams. But yeah, it was what? Mr. Negative, Scorpion, Rhino, Electro. Vulture. Vulture. And then Doc. Uh, yeah doc Ock. uh yeah i mean that's like mostly classics with mm-hmm. like one a really good new addition yeah I, th- I thought it worked but yeah i didn't feel like the only battles that i thought were hard uh was the the rhino scorpion team up i was like oh this is like an interesting escalation of having to fight two at a time mm-hmm. but i even thought like the the vulture um Electro, yeah, I thought that one was like, ah, oh, it's all right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like they throw something at you, it's telegraphed way in advance. You just have to hit a button, and then like you grab it and dodge it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you did so much building before you went to Doc Ock. Was Doc Ock 
too easy at that point for you? Uh, here's the thing. Like, I don't think any of those bosses were difficult. Okay. Mm. Yeah, I didn't and, either. Like, I, I got to that first shocker boss fight, and I'm like, oh, man. Like, I died the first time because I was I didn't really get the mechanics of it yet. And mm-hmm. I think that one right. happens pretty fast, and I'm like, oh, I got to pick shit up and throw. Okay, now I get it. And that was fine, but, like, for the rest of them, I mean... Like like a lot of them, I just beat on the first try. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was like, oh, okay, like that. I guess that was a boss battle. It was definitely cool and entertaining visually, but like, did and, it, was it just me or did Kingpin seem like the hardest boss in the game? Yeah, actually, yes. I would agree. It was totally inverted because I mean, you don't really know the yeah the, uh, the nuances of the combat. But every time I went back, I thought, who like which boss really took me down the most? It was definitely Kingpin. Yeah, it was Kingpin. Yeah, a good good version of the Sinister Six. I feel like they left enough on the table too, where they didn't try to like. I was thinking there would probably be like an homage to like Craven the Hunter and maybe mm. Mysterio and all this other stuff. But I'm glad they just didn't touch some of that. Yeah. Um. Yeah, the Eddie Brock thing. I saw that and I was like, okay, this, this is kind of interesting. And then Nick, you had mentioned that they were drawing from the or that you had gotten drawn into the Ultimates universe. Um. And they re reconfigured the Venom mythos in that line. And I think one of the cool things they did in in that Ultimates universe was make Eddie Brock like uh, the son of a parallel scientist who worked with Peter Parker's parents or just mm-hmm. his dad or something mm-hmm. on this like cancer cure that ends up becoming the Venom symbiote. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that was one thing that stood out to me. Maybe not with all the villains. It's something that I know you noticed, Nick, is that curing illnesses seems to be a consistent theme with this game vulture had that yeah they kind of speak to like the in the art book they kind of reference rhino as this suffering brute or Mm -hmm. something like that obviously doc ock has a Mm -hmm. huge uh, component with that um seems like everyone's trying to their power is in some way Mm -hmm. informed by their their ailments yeah i thought that was the uh, you know there some of the characters like you know obviously with a, a a sinister six cast in a game that i don't know what is it like probably 20 25 playable hours really if you stretch it out maybe 30 yeah you well, can yeah. only you can only get into so many in depth and they obviously did that with doc ock and mr negative which i, I was surprised by like I, I was least interested in mr negative going in because he's not a character that i had any nostalgia related to from my childhood i was like oh scorpion like i remember I think Scorpion was Andy's favorite Spider-Man villain growing up. Like I remember that green oh, yeah. Scorpion toy from the animated series and like that was always out in our house when we were kids. And so like I kind of wish some of the more classic characters got more screen time, but then when you see what they do with Mr. Negative um and how fresh it is and how there's like a real emotional like authentic arc to that, it's like all right, like damn, they like really got a lot out of a character that's not not as iconic. Um but then like you see how the character's like core power gets retrofitted and totally modernized into like a really compelling like fresh story and it was like oh wow man they like really that that's like what a feat to take kind of like a b or c list villain in in that rogues gallery and make him like really a formidable totally appropriate foe and i thought they did that with mr negative so like i thought that was great um I also thought 
there was little touches that were great like electro he didn't have that really iconic but also equally goofy star mask Mm -hmm. but he had the scarring in a star pattern so like they referenced like the iconic parts of the characters but you know it lets you connect to like your childhood and like what you were growing up with like when you saw those characters but like but modernizes in a way that is i don't know makes it a little bit more um not believable but palatable like as a 33 year old man playing this game like i think it would have been a little bit tough to swallow if there was like legit an old man with just like fur around his neck flying <laughs> and then you got this like doofus shooting bolts at you and he has a star mask you also just kind like, of feel uh, like shit beating up vulture that's all <laughs> right 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 <laughs> like the geriatric supervillain of all time he's like stop this is awful he's like waylaying on him like nope spider bro time to electrocute you yeah so i agree with ryan though like i felt um like the fights were really fun but the electro vulture one was felt particularly like telegraphed where it was like "Ah, i feel like you know i'm pretty good at this game by now i was like i wish they had like pushed a little bit more like of what those villains could really do to you um although I have to say on the scorpion side, like mm. when he hits you with that venom mm-hmm. and you hallucinate, I thought that was a really cool part of the game. Yeah, that was one of my favorite parts. Oh, and you like, go into the like the floor is lava mode. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> you play a giant <laughs> game of the floor is lava. Right. But you also have a lot of those scenes where you have like the 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 Doc Ock tentacles mm-hmm. going through. Oh, that there's I thought that, that was God. visually the Some most kind stunning. Love crafting like, like talking about saving Doc Ock. Yeah. And, like, you've just got those giant, like, infinitely looping octopus tentacle arms, like, mm. going through, like, infinite space around you. You're like, oh, man, it's a little trippy. Mm-hmm. I got to, like, 90-something percent a couple nights ago, and it was really late. But I was, like, I forget what I finished, but it was uh, maybe one of the Taskmaster challenges. And um, I had noticed at that point what I was missing so much, like, in the late part of, like, just going through the game and collecting the like challenge stuff was um my favorite part was like you're making doc ox arms oh yeah that was that that was arc was awesome such an, just so like they made it so believable and it was so eerie and it was just like oh man i did some other awesome thing with this like like whatever um yeah like the neuro transmitter technology yeah, stuff i yeah. got it down to like 0. 0.0003 of a second it's like great i'm gonna use these to kill you like like um yeah yeah i thought that was just such a slow burn like it was like oh man this is gonna be good Mm -hmm. you're and it's one of those things where you're like ominously creeped out by the fact that you're helping your villain become a villain Mm -hmm. um but then the beginning of the game he makes spider-man suit Mm -hmm. when he makes the white suit so true yeah yeah i mean but that was just cosmetic right I think that yeah, was just a, yeah. a nice way for them to work in like their own version of the suit. Mm-hmm. But, but I mean, like I, I thought the brilliant part about building the arms was that like, I thought it was going to come down to something where he's like, Oh, well, I know how to like disassemble this equipment because I built it, mm-hmm. but it never came down to that. It, it never was like the, Oh, I know. Like if I hit him here, it's mm-hmm. going to mess up the destabilizer and like that thing. Like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. If I hit him with voltage, because there's that voltage thing where you have to like equate it out. Oh, on right. Side. right. You have to like control and how I was much. like, yeah. oh, I thought maybe he was going to like have to electrocute him and change the voltage. And then you'd mm. know like, oh, the voltage disrupted the timing thing. So he'd be slower. Or if you hit Shit. him in a certain point, 
with voltage it would like mess up something else oh dude i thought like the the building of that and knowing it was going to be how he defeated him but Mm. it just turned out to be like a straight brawl yeah but no to andy's point too the other thing that was really awesome um besides getting to see and fight these like iconic characters from your childhood was um the heart they put into their stories were like yeah they all you know some of them are a little bit more like arch like mustache twirling villains like vulture and definitely electro was like i just want to be a lightning bolt like <laughs> so there was that there was that element to it no but i thought like the fact that like vulture rhino doc ock um the osborns obviously like all these characters and their families are like plagued by these illnesses and and there's this frankenstein's monsters element to the game um i really appreciated that because like i think the tough thing being like in your 30s and being a huge comic book nerd is there's a part of your brain you're like i love this stuff and it's like you have so much nostalgia for it but then there's the the part of comic books like right the magic of comics like it's so goofy and so hard it's like some some of it is so like just not palatable and like you can take certain doses of it but it's like when a when a when a writer goes to the extent of like i'm gonna save all the most precious like iconic parts of these characters but then also give them like backstories and motivations that that as a you know for the people in the audience that are in their mid-30s and like read other serious things and like movies with like existential themes and shit in them like they give those characters from your childhood that depth that's like what made me connect with this game so much um so and like just the the research stations where like you go around and harry keeps talking about like all the stuff his mom wanted to do before she died and like these research stations are some like kind of legacy to that it's like damn that's like really kind of touching as you're like going around collecting like polluted air and whatnot um and that's like kept me connected go trap these farts yeah. come on <laughs> yeah right which was funny then trying to fly, fly can, through the fart yeah, cloud can go, can, all right can we go web sling through these like basically toxic farts that new york is like <laughs> farting out uh, dude anyway. that that pigeon stuff killed me, <laughs> the, pigeons, <laughs> the pigeon ordinance dude <laughs> oh, dude all oh. the, the pigeons were so fast they were really fast um yeah i thought i thought it was like it was interesting that they kind of just put like a different window dressing on like the drone challenge mm, um, right so so yeah, I don't know. I thought I thought that was a nice element to the game, but but going back to like the pathos of everything, like you were mentioning, um, the thing that like the story choice that I was actually surprised by in this game that I didn't think I was going to be was that Aunt May died. Yeah, oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, that's like the constant Spider-Man MacGuffin is like, oh, but my Aunt May, she's mm-hmm. the only family I have left, mm-hmm. and like he has to like let her die in order to have enough serum to like save the city and it's like i I don't know i just thought that was such a gutsy story move that actually allows that character to advance Mm -hmm. more Mm -hmm. i'm like dude you you take off or you take out the kickstand of aunt may and then it's just like okay now i've got to take everything i've learned from my parents and like actually be my own man yeah right yeah aunt may is always I thought that was just brilliant because yeah. like a, that, that story I mentioned earlier, it was the one more day thing where they undid his marriage and then kick started it with a quasi reboot of brand new day. The thing that I think they got a lot of slack for was the fact that, yeah, like he, 
like in the comics, Aunt May has been like 70 something forever. And it's like the dude just gave up his whole marriage and life uh, for like a few more years, maybe <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like it was just this really bizarre choice and it felt super out of character for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And so to have like, this was almost like a covert response to that mm-hmm. being like, Oh, this is how we would have done it. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like we would have let Aunt May die. Well, like, I didn't, and I, then, yeah. I don't know. I didn't think I about it, it was brilliant. until you mentioned it, but like um, something that just crossed my mind now is like, to like what a brilliant like pivot in Spider-Man story because like you think about it, like you know Norman and so much of the hell that's like wrought on Manhattan is because he's ultimately like trying to find some sort of like cure for his son, and all these guys are trying to find these cures for themselves to like either extend their life or empower them or ward some like terrible like god awful disease off and peter makes the choice to like do the exact opposite of that he's like oh i could cure aunt may but i'm not going to um so that's like a really interesting like photo negative of what kind of like it was instrumental to contributing to making the villains the villains um was this you know yeah my son has this terrible degenerative mysterious disease and i'm gonna basically like bring everything down to save this one person and Peter does the opposite, which is, I hadn't thought of that until you mentioned it. Um, yeah, something the the developers have referenced a lot in uh, and pretty much any interview that I've been able to get my hands on is that, I don't know if they, they coined it as like a rule of thumb for their story, but it seems like they really, this was sort of the secret sauce, is that always acknowledging that every time Spider-Man succeeds, Peter Parker has to fail and vice versa. Every time Peter Parker succeeds, Spider-Man has to fail in some way. Mm. And that tension oh, of the man. two can never win at the same time mm-hmm. seems to be the like the ricochet of him being Spider-Man that, one, is just something that's inherent in the comics and I think is what makes him really, really relatable and stand out against all the other Marvel characters. But uh, it's something that this game plays with a lot that it's hard to play with that stuff and it's also hard to play with this many villains that have this that present this many threats to Peter Parker when you're dealing with a two and a half, three hour movie, you know, there's, there was talks or maybe still is talks of a sinister six movie, but everyone knows villain fluff and villain fat in any movie is pretty much the quickest way to have a bad or worse story. And it seems like having a game that is 20, 25 hours long is actually the length you need mm-hmm. to explore some of these stories. Just like you need a whole comic run to yeah. explore some of these complicated stories, which is funny. I feel like this game bested virtually every Spider-Man movie ever made. And part of that is you, yeah, you have 25 hours to let this stuff develop. Yeah, like that was the thing most on my mind. It creeps up on you. After after getting through the final boss battle, I was just like, oh my God, like the Sam Raimi movies like couldn't do in three movies what this thing did in one game and it's a game. Spider-Man the movie, the game, the movie. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. The game, the movie, the game. Yeah, I think it's funny that you mentioned that because when I was trying to figure out like kind of where they were going at the beginning i thought i'm like oh yeah this is you know they're clearly telegraphing the doc ock turn and everything and i'm like well it makes sense that they took like probably notes from the most beloved like movie so far which was spider-man 2 by Mm -hmm. sam raimi that he directed um and i for the life of me just never liked that movie like i i walked out of pretty much all those spider-man movies was like meh (laughs) yep and I went to go see them all, but like everyone's like, Spider-Man 2 was so great. I'm like, dude, 
I, I just I didn't get it like visually. It, I didn't find it stunning. Mm-hmm. I thought the fact that like Doc Ock just kind of like hobbled around and ripped up leather was like a weird choice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like yo, he just happened to have leather pants. Like I don't what. Yeah, they give him but, a lot more it, practical costume choices in this game mm-hmm. with the uh, like the engineers or the welder suit that he had on. Yeah, and it's like it's kind of like the thing. It's it's like well, he's a scientist. This is probably what he would wear, and this is probably what a prototype suit thing would look like. And it was all just kind of like, oh, like yeah, this fits in. They're not just trying to make him look like dark and shady and kind of goofy. But yeah, that Sam Raimi Spider-Man too. I was just like, eh, I never got it, but it makes sense that that's where they'd go to to find like the villain for their thing. But I but I also thought it was great how they didn't make Norman Osborn like a central kind of. Like, like he was more of a damsel in distress almost throughout the the entire mm. game, mm-hmm. and so like you know that like when it it does come back, he was like, oh, he starts off having basically everything due to his poor decision making and due to his culpability and choices over time that you you reveal slowly, he loses everything. Mm-hmm. So then you're going to be like fighting someone basically with their back and to a wall in the mm. next game that's gonna get real crazy yeah i think all the stuff they set up with norman was done so well yeah. and so they were they were so restrained with it mm-hmm. but then they drop all these little hints of like it's pretty obvious that it seems like he's gonna be using some of that sable tech because that's what the helmet looked like mm-hmm. the prototype kind of goblin style helmet looked like a stolen sable tech thing which obviously he'd want to mm-hmm. have on on hand and study because they're the people that he hired um, so you'd have access to that, but then well, they have like, you know, they bring like the Chinese masks as like, not just things that Mr. Negative's gang was using with the demons, but he has his own colored green, yellow ones in his apartment, which is like a total allusion to Green Goblin in right. a more, you know, colorful, characteristic way. Well, I think too, again, like go- going back to that whole like Frankenstein's monster vein in this movie, like I remember doing the stealth mission in, um, the subway station when you take oh, over yeah. Mary Jane and for you a little see while. From, mm-hmm. And you, so then when you revert to where Spider-Man or yeah, no, when you're Mary Jane, um, you can go around to those like Apple looking kiosks and be like, here's all this like Oscorp tech. And they show you the one thing and it's like, holy shit, that's like the goblin glider. Mm-hmm. But you're seeing it like probably like three to five years removed from before it becomes weaponized for that sort of thing. Like, they just drop that stuff all throughout the game in ways that are so unnerving. And I yeah, think there that, were, like, a bunch of, like, quasi-pumpkin bomb yes. prototypes mm-hmm. and, yeah. and that plays, too. Yeah, There was something else that stuck out, but yeah. Oh, and how creepy is it when, like, you find out at the end of the game that, like, Mary Jane was running around trying to collect stuff and, like, oh finds out God. that... She's finding things out about um, Harry Osborne, and it's like, oh, you were creeping around in the room where he was just locked up with a symbiote. Oh, like, God, yeah. No. yeah. Like, the only thing that, between her and him and all that was basically some steel yeah. in class. Yeah. 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 That was very creepy. I think the thing that emotionally, too, that it sets up is that by the end of this game, you know, Miles Morales is in it, and he loses his father. Mm-hmm. Peter Parker lost Aunt May, and, you know... Otto is basically losing all his motor functions and that's why he made the arms. Uh, and then now Norman is on the verge of losing his son. So I think there's going to be a lot of emotional dramatic tension where it's a lot of, uh, a lot of people who have lost their 
most beloved family members all you know that's the heroes right now that have lost theirs and the villains who are about to lose theirs so i think they're going to play with that in a lot of different ways where if you have like miles and peter teaming up against norman and his son Mm -hmm. there's a lot of like family feud (laughs) type stuff going on Mm -hmm. or about to go on there do we want to talk about theories for the next game I mean, Ryan, yeah, what do you, why don't you just go into it? Sounds like you've been thinking about it quite a bit. Uh, well, you see. Uh, <laughs> uh, Ten point power sword. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I think I think this game, I mean, everyone knows it's clearly setting up the symbiotes, but like you said, they had a nod to Eddie Brock in there, and it's, I feel like they're going to do the classic Venom somehow. Because mm. um, right now it looks like like they're setting up to be like, oh, like Harry is in there with a symbiote. And so like, obviously he's going to be Venom and that's going to make, you know, whatever sense it makes. But I'm like, oh, but you got that Eddie Brock tease on that birthday card, mm-hmm. which makes me feel like, like it makes me want that to be as much of like a, a really well written and structured story. And I'm like really hoping they bring back the same writers mm-hmm. and, and don't just kind of like, be like well you know we dropped some of the stuff but we're ignoring that and like eddie brock is just a regular guy in this universe and he never did anything special you know it's chekhov's brock <laughs> yeah yeah chekhov's brock i think i think they left a lot of characters on really interesting notes like jay joan jameson is obviously like he's like everyone knew i was right about this stuff the whole time and now there's an opening for mayor I think they're going to take that from Dan Slott's run where J. Jonah Jameson just becomes the mayor. Oh. And then he's going to have all these like anti-Spider-Man legislation and stuff. And he's mm. going to be able to like send government forces against him interesting. and wow. probably develop those uh, spider slayers and oh, all that. dude, the rock. Oh, that's crazy. I did not think of that. Slayers. Yeah. And Harry is probably going to be at least somewhat integral as like a character so norman to defend him might become the green goblin but then harry might become venom and like you'll have to fight and obviously if harry becomes venom he's probably not going to be in his right mind because he'll have been like in a coma for years and Mm -hmm. the venom symbiote is kind of by nature evil so he'll probably be out there doing evil and all that and then there's probably going to be a really interesting reveal where spider-man realizes again he's got to go beat up on one of his friends who's doing terrible stuff and it's gonna like play back to the doc ock arc Mm -hmm. so they ended this with like peter parker being this brilliant scientist i think the octavius labs is going away but i think he's they're putting him down the parker industries route Mm -hmm. and i thought that was kind of signaled by by the whole aunt may death scene thing where she where like he is now like becoming a man and he's going to have to go out and do like things in the world. And he's not going to be, he's not going to have that safety net anymore. And I think he's probably going to, they're probably going to do this, the Parker industries thing where he has to invent all his own gadgets and stuff and Mm -hmm. do that. And that can be a real interesting way to set up like other villains and, um, and, and maybe just like a, a whole thing to, to kind of build up in the sequel and then tear down in the third one. Mm hmm. Yeah, I think the gadget stuff, I, f- I was thinking a little bit about, like, I feel like Spider-Man got a little bit homogenized by the end of the game for me. I feel like I just had everything, and I was really kind of craving to get a very unique play style by going, you know, down one of those skill trees pretty far, and then I found out, oh, I can just kind of dive into any of these really quickly. 
there's something both generous about that, but also it felt like after a while those abilities weren't really tailoring my gameplay as much as just inevitably building up to this super, super powerful Spider-Man. And I feel like if they go that direction with some Parker Industries stuff, they could use that as an excuse for like create your own gadgets and stuff like that. And that could be a way to really customize things or like create things that like, you know, visually affect the armor that you're wearing in a way or the suit that you're wearing, like custom goggles, custom shooters. I do wonder if they're eventually going to, it's, I mean, now that they've dropped that Miles has also got spider powers, I wonder if they're going to do something with cooperative play at some point, uh, a la Journey, where you could have like two people join one instance of New York and you have two Spider-Man independently running around, which would be pretty crazy, but something like that has been done before many times. So that could be like a insane two-player online experience if they did something like that. Nice. I hadn't thought about that. I wonder if the next one is going to be this like embarrassment of riches where it's Venom and Green Goblin mm-hmm. and like all those sorts of like just throw throw all the like the, all the A-list stuff at you right away. Like, nah, maybe... it's just going to be Hydro Man and Mysterio. <laughs> I was, dude, I was Open seriously... up that Sandman vial. Yeah, just get, get going. water and sand together, man. They'll cancel each other out. Really. Do you think that they're going to not have anything left for... No, it's it's more just like I'm really like Ryan said. I'm really interested. Like, okay, they had the Eddie Brock nod. So is Eddie Brock going to be Venom? It seems like there's such a hunger in the fan base to see that classic thing. But if they do that, then is Harry going to be a little bit more of like a MacGuffin and like maybe he dies and like the symbiote, like whatever was on him in that that tube or whatever. Um, that's a suspended animation chamber like just goes to Eddie Brock. Like I'm pretty interested to see how they connect those dots in an authentic way. Um, but they did such a great job with the story for this game. I'm like totally confident that that team, if they bring all the key players back, they'll be able to figure that out. But there's a part of me too that feels like the Venom story, even if it's like the updated, like Venom's not from another world. He's like a corrupted you know byproduct of a bio suit basically mm. a health bio suit that character is so rich that i almost don't want them to like bring in the green goblin for the second one like and like save it for the end kind of like they saved like the venom tip for the end and there's there's so many other characters in the rogues gallery that they haven't explored i don't you know but who knows you know you've had really good stories we have two a-list villains in the same thing integrated like two-face and joker in the dark knight so right i think you could do venom and green goblin together it's just i'll be interested to see how they how they make that work i mean clearly what's going to happen is the symbiote is going to find J. jonah jameson <laughs> and he's just going to be screaming at peter parker in the black suit yeah right um I think in Peter, that, I can't get this thing off of me. <laughs> it's all Spider-Man's fault. I think too, like it's not letting me smoke cigars. So the, the number, the yeah, because it's afraid of fire and sound, so he can't podcast either. <laughs> so fucking, you know, he listens to his own podcast and it comes off of him. This is a sidebar. I have to say, I think it is a stroke of genius that they that they like basically remolded Joe Jana Jameson into like Alex Jones Infowars model because like I had never thought of J. Jonah Jameson from that point of it was like a propaganda artist yeah i was like you know he's just like the he's just the fucking blowhard daily bugle head dude when you're reading the comics as a kid now that we're in the land of like you know fox news and all this fake news insanity it's like oh my god i never realized that they were like 
harnessing that sort of mm-hmm. character for this or that sort of human being for this character um so- i i thought that was interesting too and i i think he will likely become the mayor mm. uh, in the sequel and you'll probably have some kind of like trump analog of like media celebrity turn you know political official mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. i think playing with characters that they've already spent the whole game establishing seems like the likely direction i actually feel like as much as I also want to see a classic version of the Eddie Brock Venom. I feel like because they've established so much history with Harry mm. through both all the pictures and the apartment and all the stories about Harry, like the letters and the voice memos, and then all the research stations and Harry's thoughts on each of the research stations, it seems like they have a character that giving him an evil turn sort of immediately gives you something to be sympathetic towards. And at the same time, Jay Jonah has been taunting you throughout the whole game. So making him the mayor would just be like too hard to not do almost Mm -hmm. versus, well, we're going to bring a character we didn't really develop and give him this huge role. So I wonder how they're going to pull that off if they do. Um, Well, I feel like I feel like Harry has a big role if you did like I mean, you what you went out and caught all his toxic farts and cleaned (laughs) up all his dirty water, you brought in all of his sick pigeons like you like. Yeah, it's like, he's like, oh, man, you know, Pete, this one's really important to my mom. And this one's really important to me. Ernie and Bert. Yeah, it's... (laughs) He's like, well, you know, Pete. Uh, And I thought they did a great job of that. Like, I was like, this is a way for this character to be present by being absent. Yeah. That's kind of, like, hard to do. Uh, Although, again, it's like magic comic books. We've just got, like super high functioning science centers on top of random buildings in new york city and there's like a dozen of them i also think uh it was really like like if you look at spider-man as being uh kind of an allegory almost for being a young professional and trying to balance like work and personal life right you know like your job gets in the way of being with family and having a girlfriend Mm -hmm. but you need to do it and uh I think like the constantly being late, it's like, yeah, he's trying to do too much. Like it's, there's kind of like so much fun things to do out there in this world that like you're kind of constantly torn. Um, But then I was also thinking about those elements of like there being so much to do. And it's like, yeah, there's a lot of plot threads going on in this game at any given moment. Mm -hmm. And it does feel like a really, a really paced out comic book run. Because pretty much the thing with comics, right? is if you get a contract to you know write for a comic you don't know you might not know what the length of that is and they might say hey you've got 12 issues and we don't know how it's going to sell so like we're only guaranteeing you 12 issues so you only pace out like 12 issues and if you think you know like after the first you know three issues get sales numbers they kind of have a good idea of whether or not you're going to be able to keep going uh if sales are really bad, then it's kind of like, well, you probably just have to wrap up like this 12 issues and then we'll figure out something else. And on marquee characters like Spider-Man, it's really easy to say, well, we're going to sell Spider-Man books like regardless, but like we can get, we can either sell them hand over fist by getting like a good, you know, writer on there and giving them space. Or we could just maybe do some offshoot titles and test the market and see if we, you know, kind of give some less, canon type books to to different writers how they sell Mm -hmm. and i feel like with dan slot um when he started writing spider-man they were doing this thing uh in the brand new day arc where they would just kind of like 
give different writers a chunk of issues and it was almost like kind of this hunger games version of who would take over the book and dan slot set up like all this really cool stuff and they're they basically just gave the entire book to him and they're like you know what you did like an amazing job here go for it and he wrote that book for years and it had consistently high sales so what he could do is just seed all these little plot lines for all of his ideas and like it might not pay off for like another two years but it's like oh you could trace that back like real far mm-hmm. and i think this game i mean obviously he's a writer on this game uh and he's kind of like distilled his own plot points down but it it feels like they gave him like they gave the writers like enough runway to be like tell a really intricate story and like you've got all this time we've got some things we need to achieve like setting up bosses for boss battles and like things like that but but otherwise i was like this feels like a really like like really well done comic book arc that that didn't have to operate under that hey we have to wrap up everything every six or 12 issues because we don't know if we're going to be still writing the book by then you know yeah i guess uh the last thing i'd ask nick about the narrative stuff um being a new dad does the game's story how much it focuses on family and responsibilities that come off to you differently in any way no but i just think it's like i don't know yeah like ryan was saying before you've got all these stories with like trying to preserve his relationship with Aunt may and it's like at the expense of his relationship with mary jane and like all that sort of like i think what i responded to most is just they made some bold choices here like how how deeply they set up like the mentorship between octavius and parker and then letting aunt may die um you get to see miles morales's dad die so like i i I just really appreciate when the writing or the writers make bold choices that don't feel like cheap. Like, like, it was like, like just, yeah, just unearned. Like, all right, we're going to shock you right now. But it's just like, no, we're going to like, we're going to make a very bold decision. We're going to stick with that. We're not going to like retcon this in the second game because it's not convenient for these characters to be dead anymore. Like I got the feeling like, yeah, okay. Like Miles Morales is dead is dead. I have a feeling they will not bring Doc Ock back. Like, I feel like they'll just let him be basically a paraplegic, which is like a tragic fitting end. For oh, him. but Nick, what if they do the uh, superior? Uh, dude, yeah, arc? they could. They could do that. That, but that would be totally valid and awesome. That yeah. and that could be the third one, right? If they do, sure. I don't he know. Like, I think body. you get so many. This feels like they have a franchise with legs right uh, like if they did the second one to introduce the symbiotes and the third one they did superior spider-man and mm-hmm. the fourth one he's got to come back like you could easily get like five sure. solid games sure. just everything they've already set up mm-hmm. yeah but no that's i think that's what i really am just responding to it's just like i'm, I'm super happy with i'm like a 33 year old guy who still loves these stories but these characters don't always have the caliber of writer that they deserve um, in the comics or in the movies. And it's awesome that in a vi- we get to see a video game, the narrative quality trump those mediums. So I think that's what I responded to most. Awesome. Do yeah. you want to talk about costumes? and? Yeah, I'm, actu- I'm actually looking up um, some <clears throat> Spider-Man suits. I think that was like maybe oddly like getting to play as the Scarlet Spider in this game like tapped some like deep primitive part of my brain because like when i was 13 some subconscious ben riley oh yeah when i was 13 and like 
didn't know much about what made a story good or not and i was just responding more to like the colors and like just how vivid some of the characters were and like scarlet spider for whatever reason like really latched itself onto my imagination the one with the hoodie or the yeah with the the hoodie okay yeah Yeah, the the original one not like the the um the cane like cane became scarlet spider yeah like the one that the new yeah no it's um, not that stuff so but like i remember laboriously but but wait the new the newest scarlet spider Spider is Ben Riley again. Uh, I know. I was reading about that. I like went down for a, real. Oh, yeah, I went to like a wiki black hole last night and I was seeing all that. It's I'll just, tell you what though, Dan Dan Slot wrote that like uh revisiting of the clone saga and made it like he called it the clone conspiracy. Mm-hmm. And it's really good. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, I'll check it out. They they brought it they brought him back in a story way that made sense. Oh, that's uh, cool. Uh, yeah, the narrative device for it was great. Um although it's I mean firmly rooted in like comic booky wackiness right <laughs> but like it's, it's not like it's like oh like christopher nolan's batman begins it's very plausible it's mm. like mm. no this is still like the magic of comic books yeah <laughs> <laughs> like i made my mom get me like not it wasn't like red spandex but it was like um like form-fitting red like almost uh what do you wear at winter what is it like not long johns um, I don't know, Under Armour or something? Kind of like Under Armour type stuff. And then like a red um, like face mask that you'd wear when you're skiing. Mm-hmm. And like I remember getting from Goodwill like a light blue hoodie and I cut the arms off and then I took like costume or like cloth marker and drew that <laughs> spider on. So like Scarlet <laughs> Spider. And I just like played in my backyard. I was like ready to go for like eight <laughs> hours. I'm like, yes! <laughs> like... I was like, it was before cosplay existed, and the, I don't know what it is about the colors and the look and everything of Spider-Man, especially Scarlet Spider at that age, and I just like freaked out about it. And so, I remember Ryan texted me when we were both kind of like just getting into the game, and he was he you texted me a photo of of yourself once you got the Scarlet Spider costume, and you're like, oh, it's you said something like, oh, this is creating all sorts of feels. And I was like, oh, my God. I was like, I need to get that costume. Yeah, that was one of the first things we got. Yeah. I mean, I just think about, like, just the pure joy of this game. And like I said, like, just the Scarlet Spider costume, the Iron Spider costume, um, the Spider-Man 2099 costume. That Spider-Man 2099 costume was my favorite. Oh, like, yeah? Just, like... It was just so much fun. It's just a, such a weird costume. Mm-hmm. Like he's got those huge Batman like dagger gauntlets for like no reason, and the whole thing's like this menacing red skull yeah. of a spider. And I'm just like, this guy's totally ridiculous. Like one of the just most out there costumes, but for some reason it just works. Yeah, right. That's what's awesome. And and they just uh, I was watching a video with some of the creators, and they were talking. Um, about how they have to get like they're like we have to make these costumes look you know uh like they exist in the real world you know we look to athletic gear a lot mm-hmm. find how how clothing flexes with movement and how it would be based off that and i'm like yeah like that scarlet spider costume looks great in this game but was literally just almost nothing like you would just mm-hmm. draw the shape of a character mm-hmm. and then a couple like pouches on the ankles and the mm-hmm. wrists and then a blue hoodie. Mm-hmm. And it was like, that was all. Mm-hmm. If you're just looking at the black and whites on those, it doesn't even look like he's wearing much of a costume. Yeah. All. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, th- th- and like tying it back again to like your experience as a kid or even as like an adult fan watching 
Infinity War and seeing like yeah. the legs come out the first time when they push um one of the children of Thanos through that spaceship that's going back to Titan and it's like holy shit I get to fight with the spider arms which apparently I heard that they almost didn't include in the game and yeah like one of the lead yeah. designers really pushed for it because they were worried about getting them to look right like mm-hmm. if he was fighting with them um, making them like really adaptive or whatever so uh, that that stuff like there's just a couple of those suits they just knock out of the park and to just make you giddy to be able to suit up in that and then also like all the swapping elements like i really appreciate that you could basically have any skin you want on spider-man but then you get to swap any of the abilities sure you yeah so like that i thought that was like a just a really generous way to do that because you know yeah i'd like if you've been waiting to play this game since you were virtually you know 11 12 13 years old but you need like one of the protective abilities from like one of the doofy suits it's like oh man no that sucks i don't want to have mm-hmm. like this stupid ass suit on with this great ability i was like i'm just gonna be scarlet spider and swap out the mo- the uh, finisher moves that i want sure yeah i do think like with the amount of suits i, I was kind of surprised that the restraint of not including the black suit like yeah. i thought that that was a great choice just just hold off on it there's so there's so many goodies in this game and it's like you can you know withhold that one well, like, that's also anticipation. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. You know. But but here's here's the thing that like when I realized this, it kind of blew my mind. It, we've been looking at like the pictures of Spider-Man, right? And like in this costume, and mm-hmm. I was like, oh yeah, the big white spider. Uh, it it seems you know like kind of an odd stylistic choice, but I guess it works. Like it's almost the same giant white spider from the black suit. Ah, oh, fuck you, right? It is. Yeah. I just looked at it one time. I'm like, oh yeah, like I guess I wonder what the black suit would look like in this game. But I'm mm. like, oh my god, it's the it's the same thing. Yeah, <laughs> I think that ca- I think that was. Um, I feel like that became really apparent when you got that Doc Ock suit, mm-hmm. the anti Ock suit, Fuck, that's right, and then you yeah. get the, it's black with the yellow spider. But if that was white, that's yeah. essentially the black suit. Yeah, but yeah, that's that's true. I I over time. I mean, I tended to gravitate actually towards both the Homecoming and the Iron Spider suit. They just mm. seemed to, they just looked good in that world. Yeah. Like when you have how the does, Iron, go ahead. No, I, I'm dying to hear how that Homecoming suit looks good because he looks like a dunce. Really? <laughs> no, I love the Homecoming suit. It's really grown on me. No, you, oh, not the, not the not the homemade one, the, the canon one from the movie. The Stark suit. The Stark suit, sorry. Oh, okay. <laughs> like videos of andy webbing around in the <laughs> goggles <laughs> yeah well i mean that's the homecoming suit. oh yeah yeah oh, sorry, sorry gotcha gotcha yeah. no but the stark like, suit my bad you mean uh andy you mean the avenger <laughs> or the captain america civil war costume where yes. he first appeared in the stark suit yeah thank you oh uh, yeah 72 more hours of this <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I loved. Um, no, I thought those two most recent suits. I mean, even though they're pretty mainstream now, I thought they just felt like they existed in that world. They had a little more of that, like technologically infused patterns and the silhouettes and the you know the size of the eyes and the size of the spider and the materials. Uh, both of those suits were just they were awesome. I found myself using the Iron Spider suit a lot in the daytime just because mm. it reflected so nicely and. I love taking pictures in it, and then I would use the homecoming. Or sorry, Ryan Stark suit. Uh, Stark suit. Uh, um, in, That's right. <laughs> I liked using the Stark suit a lot at nighttime, just because the reds and blues popped a lot, and it was a little bit easier 
to see spider-man what's so funny no that suit is like so duncey yeah yeah it's like really funny to me they give it to you as a reward for like collecting all the backpacks and i'm like well i was kind of hoping i would get something i wanted (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah um my, I, I didn't mind the homecoming suit. My, I didn't. Here, I have especially, to say that wasn't my favorite, but like, right. I guess that's that's my thing. Like pivoting off that point, like wasn't my favorite. Like probably like fifteen of the suits I would never put on. Like they just like looked stupid, or they like that electro. They electro insulated suit, suit. <laughs> it looked like the like, Michelin tire mascot. <laughs> <laughs> they, yeah, like well, I think like the and then the other thing was like. There was just suits that seemed like easy ones to include. Is like, okay, you're not going to do the black suit. Totally cool. Mm-hmm. Do a future foundation suit. Do the, like the sensational Spider-Man suit when Ben Riley like dyed his hair blonde, and he. It's kind of like a precursor to the Superior Spider-Man suit, but like it was cool, different. I, I Be- feel though like they threw out like thirty suits in this game, and I'm like, they're probably going to throw out another like. Five to ten in DLC. Yeah, oh, yeah. I was gonna say thirty in the next game. It's like, wow, man. I, like, yeah. ultimately, you're gonna have to work from a base of like a hundred different Spider-Man suits, and how do you pace them out? Yeah, no, that, thought, that's true. I thought the choices were interesting, and like, there's some stuff here I didn't expect to see at all. Yeah, <laughs> like what? Uh, I thought the like the one that even the comic book nerd in me was like, wait, what the hell is this thing? Is like the ghost spider suit. <laughs> like, oh God. It was like right. a giant flaming blue skull, and like he's white, Super and it's sinewy. like some yeah. like uh, really arcane kind of thing. Yeah, that one was off the rails. But it was like it was the most. I I think it was great because the the game was really fun, and that if you wanted to have like you're feeling more like a realistic moment or like a, a heavy moment, you want to get in like one of those classic or really like cool looking suits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Uh, but then when you're just like dicking around on rooftops, knocking like going for the trophy for knocking dudes off rooftops to their <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> which which what I thought originally was their death, uh I was like, oh you like you kind of want to do this goofy stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. I loved that vintage cell shaded one. I, I really like that suit a lot. It kind of made me wish there was a mode where the whole world would look like that. Because it just looked like a comic panel. It was a little bit jarring when suddenly there's like realistic water and lighting and then this uh, like two-tone Spider-Man. But it was just so cool to see what literally, by the time they got the physique of the character down and the animations, it literally just felt like it was the comic book in motion. I thought that was, you know, cell shading has been around for a long time in video games, but the way that it translated into this game, it just felt like, yeah, um, I'm ready to just like pound some villains as like a cartoon cutout. Yes. Yeah. Um, over time, I felt like I I really liked the Insomniac White Spider suit, and then I got a little sick of it and really enjoyed the more classic suits. And then I went back to the White Spider suit and couldn't really figure out why I kept like liking going back to it as much, and just kind of started sticking with it as my default for a while, especially near the end game. And then in the art book, they talked about how I think a big reason they picked the white spider is just because you're looking at Spider-Man's back the whole time. And from the front, he has a lot of contrast with his eyes because they're white. But if you look at him from the back with a black spider, there's not a lot helping him stand out in every single weather and lighting situation. So I felt like, oh, that was a pretty smart choice, like just for how much is going on in the game. You can, yeah, just easier to identify him and spot him out in a crowd. Um, and like you said, all the athletic gear, they said like the blue fabric was sort of like that breathable, flexible material. 
it would go around all the areas where it's like the inner joints, the red material was this harder padding that would go around areas that didn't need as much mobility, but would get more contact. And then all that white stuff is this like flexible carbon fiber. So that's all the areas that he would be like punching people or grabbing onto buildings, any area where he would have a ton of pressure and contact. So they basically were like, the white spider has to basically follow the paneling, but kind of a nice coincidence that it ends up recreating the pattern from the black suit. Over time, I just really started to appreciate all the thoughtfulness they put into that that new suit. So. Yeah, I kind of had like a similar arc with that thing where I'm like, uh, I think it's kind of garish and I'm really psyched to get into like some of this other stuff. And I think I played like when I first got it, I was like, all right, we'll do their suit for a little bit. And then I was like, dude, Scarlet Spider all the way. And That's then, exactly uh, what Nick did. As a part of the pre-order, I also had out of the gate the um, the movie version of the Iron Spider. Mm-hmm. And so I was just messing dudes up with that. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. The first time Nick, Nick got that right away, because as soon as the game started, they don't even let you get the costumes. And as soon as it booted up and Nick was swinging around, he's like, where's the Iron Spider suit? I want to put it on right now. And it's like, <laughs> oh, they didn't even unlock that yet. But then as soon as you get the first time to bust out the arms it's so dramatic mm-hmm. and it's like whoa this game just went to a whole another level mm-hmm. and you're just you're just messing up villains i think that was so smart to include that as one of the like freebies from the because i'm sure a lot of people the first time they've seen spider-man 2 or just growing up now is going to be these movies yeah so uh, on a super nerd easter egg level um the avengers tower uh, I was watching like some YouTube video about this game and they're like, oh, they they didn't do the one from the movies. They just made their own adaptation. Uh, and that wasn't factually correct. Hmm. Um, and just for yucks, I cracked open uh, a copy of Avengers Endless Wartime hmm. by Warren Ellis. Uh, and the Avengers Tower is like directly out of that book. Oh, oh really? wow. There's a yeah. few versions of it in the art book, but I didn't recognize it from any of the comics. That'd be yeah, I'll send you like a picture of it. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's like I open it, and I'm like, oh my god, wait, I was just running up that the other day. <laughs> nice, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, I feel like we I... pretty much covered everything. Is there anything else you want to go over on? There's so much. Um, <laughs> Where do we hit begin? It. Hit it. I'm just gonna go like rapid fire on this. Do it. Uh, I thought I thought the graffiti in this game was amazing Mm. like there were just some really cool pieces hidden around the city and then there was some stuff that i just stopped to take photos of i thought that was just so brilliant because the whole game is like if you're talking about an immersive experience with the spider-man character like they talked a lot about it being balanced between spider-man and peter parker like peter parker is a photographer Mm. and like you run around this game taking pictures of new york and i'm like that's just so mind-blowingly meta that they have that and then a whole community online for like post your best like spider-man selfie thing like mm-hmm. yeah that, that like, become phenomenal. it's not like you can be like a batman game and be like oh like i, I guess just be a rich asshole kind of and like that'll be a fun part of the game like you don't want to take pictures you don't want to instagram the narrows ryan <laughs> yeah <laughs> but but it's it's uh it's so interesting that they pulled off that balance in a way that's authentic to the character i just was like baffled by that yeah photo mode is a huge risk too because you know Mm. with a game like this there's a lot of tricks they could have done and a lot of shortcuts they could have taken have been like well no one's really ever going to see where the web goes no one's ever really going to see that angle of spider-man like sometimes when character models do crazy contortions the model starts to actually break for a split second like you'll see like 
the shoulder go through their you know upper torso in a way that looks like okay that's definitely a permanent injury for life um but in this game it seemed like no matter what you did with spider-man no matter where he was it was always photo ready in game like the fact that you could pause a 3d game in real time and take a composed shot from any angle and there was never any real flaws going on you know you you never saw any real visual glitches just speaks to how incredibly detailed they were about everything where the game is just it has a lot of visual integrity i guess is what i'm saying and i guess that speaks to also the uh the graffiti which they actually i don't know if you know this ryan but they got they hired some real graffiti artists to do some of that work yeah i mean they had to yeah like it's i like super that and i was like oh yeah they probably like someone probably got a nice payday from like doing some cool stuff here yeah and then their arts in a game that like you know four million people are playing right now yeah and and uh other quick hits i thought uh, another like just mind-blowing touch in this game is that if you just run around on the ground and don't web swing like there's still plenty of stuff to interact and see and, like you can still run into crimes on the ground and like people want to high five you oh yeah and like people just yell stuff at you and like you can go around and grab those daily bugles which i don't know if you guys got into that but no yeah really yeah there's copies of it mm-hmm. oh my yeah. god so I did that's not the thing it's that. like so easy to miss they never make you get one for any reason but if you stop at the little red boxes you can pick up a daily bugle and depending on where you're at in the game they have different headlines oh my god that's and awesome I think yeah and i played through like half the game before i discovered it and so i missed half of them there's all like anytime you get electro behind bars it's like you know like the new york post or something you know or what's that yeah new york post really sensationalist one in new york where it's just like some kind of goofball headline and like like meme text almost uh and then just i i I thought mj was a a good character in this but i feel like it's for me it's almost tropey now to have like the the kind of like reporter sidekick thing like it kind of feels like they just cribbed that from superman a little bit it's like well you know like how do you be close to the action Mm. and still have a like a a reason for being there and it's like we'll just make him a reporter Mm -hmm. i I thought it was a good use of her character Mm -hmm. it's just kind of like seems a little obvious but uh i don't know i hope they i hope they continue to build that out though yeah interactively they could they could definitely fold some more ideas in i think one that i've heard is giving her more in the vein of like dialogue trees and stuff like that and investigating and -hmm. like trying to get information out of people that Spider-Man can use later. Um, So things like that. But yeah, it it really kind of just turned to do a lot of stealth missions. Still feel like felt like one of the coolest parts though, is when you do get to see Spider-Man in action from her perspective. Yeah, that was cool. You have no control over it. It's just happening. I thought that was such a great, uh, just a little great touch. I think one of the things they also talked about in the game was, giving a chance to see a chance to feel like what it's like to exist in a world with people with superpowers but you don't have superpowers and you're just kind of uh you know observing that going on in the background mm-hmm. so i think that was that, that was an interesting vantage point they explored yeah i thought too the um it's got to be 80 85 90 percent of the game is action and fighting um getting to see from those perspectives was a reminder of like how much your character's kind of grown and how insanely powerful like the those action sequences are throughout the game i'm interested to hear what you guys think about the puzzles 
Oh, like the chemistry, yeah. not the chemistry, like the uh, the circuit boards. Yeah, because that was like probably one of the other distinctly different parts of the game. Well, I think to Ryan's point, it it was I like that it leaned into Peter Parker's uh, genius side and the scientist side of him. Just like the photography allowed you to tap into the fact that he was a photographer for a magazine or a newspaper. I liked so I like that they did that and that they showed these other facets to his character. Uh, and interactively, I thought they got more interesting over time, but sometimes they did just kind of feel like inevitable. There's only so many combinations of ways you can do the sort of snake pipe game, and there's only so many ways you could do the pictogram, mm-hmm. trying to create the sort of like visual math equations. And near the end, you really did have to think through things, but um, for a while, they felt kind of too obvious. Mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't really feel like I was in, I was using the research tokens as much as I wanted to either. Mm-hmm. I felt like, oh, I'm going to get some really cool currency and then get to spend that. And I feel like I didn't end up spending a lot of my research tokens in the end. But mm-hmm. what, how'd you feel about that, Ryan? Uh, I agree with you. I mean, I, I kept trying to temper my expectations of like, this has to be accessible for like a 12 year old. Mm. And it can't be like, so like, crazy that you know like they're not going to make you do like real physics in this game right mm. like yeah you just have to solve a regular physics equation You're like, <laughs> um, yeah, like never yeah. getting that suit now <laughs> yeah um or it would be like but, the one thing that would repair the broken american education system it's like if i had to learn how to do my physics and geometry <laughs> i can't get the advanced suit yeah dude i thought the reason data of having them in there was good it's kind of like he's a scientist like you're trying to find like what the one of them was like the ph levels of like some liquids i'm like that was actually pretty clever yeah like for for a mini game design i thought it was clever and then like you were saying like the snake pathway things like yeah sure i mean he's an electrician he's a chemist i'll buy it uh i just wish they would have been like a little more difficult because I think towards the, like you said, towards the end, they started, like, got to a point where you didn't have to use all this. And I'm like, well, that could have been present from the get-go. Yeah. And if they would have just made it more difficult, I thought it it could have been, like, you would have felt a little greater sense of, like, victory from it. Mm-hmm. The thing I appreciate about their inclusion, though, too, and I realized this over time, is I felt like, you know, this game has some accessibility settings. And I feel like maybe there are going to be some missions where... You know, people with dexterity challenges are not going to be able to get the tokens they need for the suit they want. So I felt like these puzzles, in a way, were like good for people who just need challenges that aren't completely tied to the most extreme hand-eye coordination mm. and are more logic. And it's still a challenge, but it's a different kind of challenge. And you can still use this currency to progress through the game. And maybe we're not going to make you fight a billion sable units all at once because for some people, it's just like yeah, this is too much. I like physically can't take this on. I appreciate the fact that I think they were cognizant of there's going to be that we need to give players a myriad of ways to build their character up, not just one. Ryan, have you played Breath of the Wild yet on Switch? No. Yeah, so No, I'm uh I I'm a Never Zelda. Oh, player. really? Oh, never really? Zelda. I feel like Never Zelda. Like like you Breath refuse of... to play Zelda or you just haven't. Not really refuse, just like I feel like there's certain like pieces of media, be it movies or video games or bands, that just you you don't become aware of it until everyone else has done it to death, and mm. then it's just kind of like, oh, that's like they're oh, already gotcha. like 
10 blocks down the road so i'm not even gonna start this i see i think like breath of the wild is maybe one of the things they mastered is like the the blending the action and the fighting with puzzle missions that are totally necessary for the game and integrated really well but they also like in their own right are i mean that was a winter game that was like okay we live in in cleveland like you're snowed in for the like a couple weekends it's like i'm just gonna go ape shit on breath of the wild and i'd be up at like four in the morning playing the same goddamn temple puzzle and i'd be like this is diabolical like this is just the 21st century like digital version of a hundred piece rubik's cube like how how is this working and like there was a real sense of accomplishment once you figured out how the puzzles work that's that was one of the big missing pieces for spider-man like i thought it was great that they broke up the action and they were like they added some variety to the game but like they were not particularly ingenious not as fulfilling maybe yeah i mean the, the zelda things were great because they totally fit the world in the same way that like the spider-man puzzles totally fit peter parker's um identity as a scientist but the thing that breath of the wild had over this game was the puzzles were actually fun and different and and almost like as good as the action yeah they're all incredibly unique i've been working my way through that game I've played nowhere near as much as you have on it, but it, I think it's interesting too. I feel like each of us have spent a ton of time in different open world games, but this is the first one we've all played about the same amount. Like Nick, you went crazy on Breath of the Wild. I got really deep into The Witcher 3 for a long time. Ryan, I'm sure you got as Metal far Gear. as you could get in Metal Gear Solid 5. If you have another 10 hours, I can tell you about <laughs> Metal Gear Solid 5. <laughs> Um, but to give you, but to give you my like takeaway from Metal Gear Five, like the so much of that is like they give you tools to approach it, like any mission in whatever way you want. If you want to run in there and like shoot the place up and just do the thing, you can do it. If you want to like find like a a really obscure way of waiting for a plot device from just the narrative to the point where it's like oh it's a guard shift change and if you just like find the truck that they're you know like going to be driving in in the beginning of the game or the beginning of the mission plant c4 on it and then wait you know like for them to go collect the guard or or like the executive officer or whatever that they're supposed to get and then you know they're going to drive down this road and they just blow them up like on the c4 Mm -hmm. when they just drive towards you like there's so many like brilliant ways you can you can game that system mm. and half the fun is just exploring those tools and this one it felt like all the tools just had one singular purpose and that was combat, right right like you you weren't going to do anything that was gonna kind of help you achieve any other aspect of this game yeah like i i used the word inevitable earlier for the puzzles i felt i'd try to do a lot of the missions as stealthy as i could and then it just got to a point where there was too many guys that had to eventually see me and then they would call more guys mm-hmm. and it was like i'm just getting to this inevitable point where i have to do combat i think what's the next game could do better is pull from actually each of these games a lot and I, I think the one thing that the witcher 3 was really good as an open world game is that while they kind of gave you, you know, every mission kind of had the same way to approach it. It was fairly linear in that way, but you know, depending on your, the way your character was customized, you'd sort of deal with the danger and the threat differently. There's a lot of like combat nuances to that game. Each one had such a strong narrative pull and such a unique hook storyline wise that you felt just like this magnetism to figure out every side mission. And therefore almost all the side quests had, 
more interesting plot threads than even the main quest did. You know, Spider-Man could pull from each of these, you know, giving you more ways to actually definitively approach a problem much differently. Like, we all probably approached each of these combat situations the exact same way at some point. You know, a lot of these situations were repetitive after a while, and after a point, they dropped off the narrative angle. Like, the Tombstone quests were one of the only ones that actually had a whole narrative, like, chain link quest going on. If they did anything with all the side quests, they could give them each a little more tailor fit aspect to it. So it felt like every side mission was being done just a teeny bit differently than the last. And the thing I loved about um, Metal Gear Solid 5's mission mode was that there were sub objectives that you could take or leave, right? Mm. And you got different rewards based on and, and different story information based on whether or not you bothered to complete them. Whereas in this game, I feel like they just were like, okay, backpacks are going to give you this and that. And like, but yeah, I, I think like the the complexity of it, it it was open world, but like as soon as you were doing a narrative story point, you were just locked into a very linear path. And I think I think you're right, probably the best word for it is uh inevitable. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So so I think we're all in agreement that this game is amazing. It is great. Uh it exceeded pretty much all of our expectations yeah. and somehow transported us back to our childhood while not making us feel like total goofballs. Yeah. And um, I don't know, Nick, I haven't seen you get this wrapped up in a game since Breath of the Wild. It's pretty rare. If if you get caught up in a game, that's a pretty good sign. Yeah, I mean, just it's really like I had that moment in my early to mid 20s when I like first started really seriously digging into my like work as as a teacher and I had like a level 40 mage and I was in like Warcraft, I, in yeah. World of Warcraft and I was seriously like grinding with Andy and our two uh, housemates were like, were like, dude, I just need to do one more Scarlet Keep to get the jeweled staff of Amon Ra. And I think I said that out loud and I was like, oh, f- me. <laughs> Wake up like, call. I was like, dude, like this is not. I'm not going to be on my deathbed thinking like, oh man, if I had just gotten a couple more levels up and wow, like I was like, I've poured too much of my life in this. And that was like a watershed moment for me where from now on, like if I'm going to like throw in for a game, it's got to be, it's got to be like something of this caliber. Yeah. So like, I like maybe once every three years, something comes along. And this is coming from a dude yeah. who got Knights of the Round Table and a gold chocobo oh, in Final yeah. Fantasy VII. Yeah, yeah. So it's not like, <laughs> you know, you've been around the bend. Yeah, I, like I've, I've been down the rabbit hole with like games. Yeah, yeah that's what I, like same thing with Final Fantasy Tactics. I yeah. remember like I just logged so many hours on that game because a lot of those RPGs are just so expansive that like you could just build up characters like over time, like over and over and over. And I, I kind of like that somehow set the establishment of what an RPG should be. So when mm-hmm. I play something like Spider-Man, I'm like, oh, this is short. <laughs> Did take like a year of my life to like <laughs> get the best possible outcome ending where you have like Knights of the Round. And, you yeah, know, it's like, like an, it's like 83 hour run to get a gold chocobo yeah, in Final Fantasy VII. Yeah, what you're missing, Ryan, is like breeding radioactive spiders to get a golden radioactive spider oh, and save Aunt May with. Uh, yeah, I'll say my final thought on this game is it's the most like I've been reading comic books and playing video games for a long time, and this was the most seamless integration of the two. Mm-hmm. Like, like it felt like you were playing through a video, or felt like you were playing through a comic book. Yeah, like I totally agree. Well, I guess 
I guess that's it, huh, guys? We all have to say goodbye sometime. Uh, not if we're immature about it. <laughs> this is a little tune. Oh, man, my guitar's not in tune. You could edit this, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, we'll do it in post. Music in today's episode came from Spider-Man, the animated series, as well as Marvel's Spider-Man for the PlayStation 4, which was composed by John Paisano. Thanks for listening to episode 5 of Screen Looking, and a special thanks as well to Nick and Ryan again for joining me on this episode. It was really fun talking to them. We talked for quite a bit, as you can tell, and we could have kept going on for probably a couple more hours if it was the weekend, but it was a Monday night, and uh, we had to stop somewhere. In addition to a lot of the larger AAA games that we've been talking about on this show, we are next going to be covering some more smaller indie artistic games that uh, you probably have never heard of, and uh, we're going to be doing at least two to three episodes, I think, throughout the holiday season uh, in the coming months, and uh, before we get into another big game. So looking forward to talking about uh, some of these games that uh, are really close to my heart that we have um, not covered yet. So look forward to that, and thanks again for listening. Talk to you later.